GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of the Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and joining me, looking very cold, is Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> I, I feel like I don't look cold. I, I do have a winter hat and a flannel on, so... I, okay, but I'm not cold. I I look, look cold. You look like you're shivering. <laughs> Fair enough. And and also joining us, coming from a lovely paneled room in his house, the Sphinx. It's the basement, but it, it looks like it looks like LPJ. You need to go over to Hovercraft Joe's house and spoon him a little bit to warm him <laughs> up. Listen, he needs I, some warming. I offer all the time, and every time well, he turns me down. Listen, I'd rather you come over here than we have to go into his, like, dungeon basement where he records True that. I wish... I feel like if I went there, I I would never get out. I wish I could post (laughs) a picture of this. I probably could. We should post a picture of my dungeon basement just to terrify everybody. That's what we should have did for Halloween. I I hate to tell you, but it wouldn't be that hard. I feel like you could just just take my phone and take it. No, it's too much work. I'm good. Uh, Uh, And we have a returning guest. Uh, someone who I would imagine loves the Who, right? It's it's. I am wearing my pinball wizard T-shirt. <laughs> there we go. I, I've I've described the environment that everybody's in at this point. Joe is in his house, looking cold. Sphinx is in his basement. Dave is apparently only wearing a shirt. <laughs> I mean, it's not apparent, but it's true. So I mean. <laughs> I'm just wondering when we're going to do the Tommy and Quadrophenia episodes of Ooh. Last Action Podcast. Oh, man. I don't it know. appeared by a young Sting and Ray Winstone in Quadrophenia. <laughs> wow. I um, think you guys could have a good time with that podcast. Have you seen those movies, LPJ? They're no. fucking nuts. No, oh, they're no, crazy. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. They're That's insane. Okay. They're like Moonwalker insane. Oh, man. <laughs> Yeah, we should tell that story at some point about how he almost did it, but then didn't. <laughs> I mean, if you want to see a movie about Tommy that ends with him surrounded by dead people while st- standing on a giant uh, silver pinball, that's the movie to watch. <laughs> oh, that's the uh, one. Yeah, that's the one. But, but we are not here today to talk about Tommy. We are actually here to talk about uh, the 2002 film, The Transporter. Um, now, Dave is joining us as a guest, as a transporter expert, I'd almost say. But we actually decided to do this, and I was like, I, I got to ask Dave wants to do it, because I knew he was such a big transporter fan. And, like, his answer was immediate. I'm like, hey, do you want to be on? And he was like, yeah. So, Dave, what is kind of your history or your first experience or kind of thoughts on this? <clears throat> Well, I would I would more describe myself as just a Jason Jason Statham fan, and this is he had been in movies before, but this is the first Jason Statham movie, you know. Yeah. But yeah. he had been like you know in obviously the Guy Ritchie movies and all that, but like this is like oh shit, he can do martial arts, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like this is awesome, you know. Then I think they got progressively the Transformers movies, but also just in his like you know his movies, like you know not that long after this was Crank, and then yeah. things just went crazy. So I mean. I saw it in the theater, and like this is awesome. And then I was on board with all Statham movies after that. 
Well, I thought it was funny too. I, it, I, it said that the producers saw him in the one, and that's when they decided that they wanted to cast him in this movie. And I'm like, that's weird because he didn't do a lot in the one that, like, you wouldn't have guessed from the one that he could like do all the stuff that he does in this movie. So. No, he was the least Jason Statham he's ever been in the one. <laughs> That's that's probably true. Uh, what about you, LBJ? What do you got on this movie? Uh, I saw this in the theater. Um, I don't know if you. I I would assume you were with me. I think Joe? so because I know that I saw this in the theater. I remember. Yeah. So and I remember being super excited for it because it was Jason Statham, and I really liked him in Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't really realize that he had a martial arts background at the time. Which I guess for this movie, he only had a small like kickboxing background. And then for this movie, he did a lot of martial arts training. And that's what kind of set him on the path to becoming, you know, certified in various other martial arts. He just kind of took up the hobby at that point. Um, And I also like Luke Besson, which was another reason why I wanted to see this movie a lot. And he's the one who produced it and uh, wrote it. I think with the theory is because he was like an Olympic level diver that they say like elite athletes can kind of pick up other sports kind of easier, you know, that's fair. So <clears throat> he, that's right. We, we mentioned that in the one that uh, when we talked about the one that he is, he was a former Olympic diver. <laughs> um, what about you Sphinx? Any history with this? Not really. It's why I'm the one that brought the movie up to us to watch because uh, I've actually seen very few Jason Statham movies. And I knew that this was the one that was kind of like Dave said, this is kind of his coming out party for a lead role, at least. Uh, So I have always been intrigued to see these films. Uh, So this was actually my first time sitting down and watching it from beginning to the end. I'm pretty sure some of these scenes look pretty familiar. I feel like these were pretty popular on TV. Uh, yeah. you know, in syndication and whatnot. Uh, but no, this was my first time watching it from beginning to end. So yeah, I remember TNT showing the shit out of this movie. Yep. Yeah. Like th- this, because I think TNT had the uh, transporter TV show too. Oh yeah. <clears throat> I, think that's, right. I think it was on TNT and that's, you know, and they played this, obviously they own the rights to show this movie. I am. Um, and again, I saw this in the theater. I remember being excited. I remember this being a movie for, for some reason or another. I feel like I remember it being, like heavily marketed. Like I remember seeing ads and stuff for the whole time. So much that I remember that it came out, the, the release date is October 2nd, 2002, which is like the last year uh, I was up at school. Uh, and I remember specifically because in the, <laughs> this is so dumb, but I'm going to tell you guys anyways, in the trailer, they would show that scene where like, they, he like rings the doorbell and the guy looks uh-huh. through the keyhole, kicks the door down. And like the trailers were like, get the door. It's the transporter, you know? And so we would do this thing in our dorm room where, like, you'd go out in the hallway and you'd, like, knock on the door and someone would have to look through the keyhole and then you'd jump kick at the door. And I don't know why, but it was a lot of fun. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think I saw this up north with you, like, when I came to visit. It could be, yeah, because October 2nd, 2002, I would have been up at school. So that that's a distinct possibility that we saw it up there. But I, I, I definitely remember seeing it in theaters, so. Yeah, and and I've subsequently seen the other Transporter movies, and I haven't watched the TV show at all. I don't know if it's any good. I, I heard it was okay, but I don't know. I I kind of came to the realization that I've seen Transporter 2, 
I don't know if I've ever seen Transporter 3, and I definitely didn't see like the reboot one they did. So. I didn't see the reboot, no. I've seen them all. Of course, of course you have. You're <laughs> probably... Just, this conversation just reminded me, oh yeah, there's a reboot. Which, I mean, the reboot was fine, but it's not Statham. It's, uh, what's his face? The guy who's the bad guy in Deadpool... You know, oh, yeah, right, right, Ryan or yeah. whatever. Yeah, but looking at it as well, which I think is going to kind of steal Hovercraft Joe's thunder a little bit. It looks like this came out one month before uh, Die Another Day, so I was probably way focused on getting uh, <laughs> my James Bond in instead of uh, yeah. the transporter action. Which boy, boy, would I was I disappointed? Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> hey, uh, Sphinx, how many? Like you said, you don't have a much of a background in Statham movies. Have you seen any other than the ones we've covered on the show here? Uh, I haven't been on any of the episodes that Jason Statham. Oh, that's done. right. You, you weren't on for the one. That's right. Uh uh-uh. uh And or I'm trying to. Right. Yeah, I would have to look at his uh, filmography to know which ones they are. I feel like. I've seen him as a villain. Probably one um, of the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah. And then Expendables. Oh. He's in the Expendables. I haven't seen an Expendables movie. Oh, man. So. Uh, I'll be back next week. And in that time, <laughs> you need to watch Crank 1 and Crank 2, um, Homefront, and I'd say maybe two and a half Expendable movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, feel like, I feel like he's kind of like a prolific guy now. Like, here's movies he's made that I'm like, wait, that's oh, a yeah. movie. Like he's got every like, one that comes out in the theater, I think there's two that come straight to video. Like he has a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um okay. So budget on the transporter is uh twenty million dollars. Uh it had a domestic gross of twenty-five and a worldwide of forty-three, which I can kind of see this as being a movie that would probably, you know, play overseas pretty well given its pedigree and kind of just the way it I don't know. It just seems more like this is going to sound dumb. Forgive me, but it seems like more of a foreign movie to me. Yeah, I don't it's know very. It's a, it's a French action film. Yeah, it's yeah. Euro, it's very European. And also, the movie was um, uh, subsidized by BMW as well. They actually paid a decent amount to because it's based on. It's actually based on some of their some of their ads. It's based on the BMW films, uh, like their little is- film ads. Is that why the inspector takes a shot at their rival Mercedes in the yes, movie? One hundred percent. Yep. So yeah, so BMW um, paid for a, a good portion of this film. Okay, well that makes sense then. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is fifty four percent, and an audience score of seventy three percent, which tracks in my mind. Yeah. Um, sense. Top grossing movies of two thousand two. Uh, we've uh, talked about a lot of these before. Spider Man. Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Star Wars Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, um, movies that we have covered, like Sphinx mentioned, Die Another Day is number 12. We've also covered number 21, The Bored Identity. Uh, this movie was 99. And then another movie that uh, Dave was with us for that came out in 2002, Half Past Dead, which came in 123rd for the year. <laughs> I still haven't recovered. That was terrible. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I believe LBJ owns it, so if you ever need to watch it again, <laughs> yeah. If you ever need to, if you ever need to borrow it, uh, you can come over here and just kind of. I'll lend you my account, my Voodoo account. You can watch it on Voodoo. Um, now I did do a couple of net worths. Um, obviously, 
Well, do we want to talk about the cast before the networks? Yes. Let's talk about the, the cast of the film. Well, obviously we met. Can we ahead. talk about the director and all that stuff? Not yet. All right. We'll do cast. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Jason Statham, obviously, yep. uh, as well, why am I drawing a blank on what his character is? Frank Martin. Frank. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Frank Martin. Um, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the female lead. Anyone want to help me out with that? I think it's Shu Key. I think it's Shu Key. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shu Key sounds right. Or Kui <laughs> Shu, depending on because I think sometimes Chinese names are backwards. Yeah, it's Ki Shu or Shu Kui. Okay, and then uh, the only other person that I really put a note was uh, Matt Schulz, who yeah, no. I only I only know because he was Vince from the Fast and Furious movies. Yep. Yeah, and he apparently plays Wall Street in this movie as well. Which game. I don't think his name was ever disclosed, was it? It I mean, wasn't I saw disclosed. The too, it said Wall Street, but I don't remember. They them mentioned it. I think that. when she's looking up the his his um file. Oh, at the computer. Yeah, it's like his hmm. alias on there. Oh, uh, okay. He, he looks like Joshua Jackson from like the Mighty <laughs> Ducks and Dawson's Creek. If his he life does. had gone a little wrong, yes, not like, <laughs> horribly wrong, which is like yo. Know, Drug problem, but not like destroy your life. Drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, no, he he's like still getting paid meth addict, but uh, yes. not rock bottom meth addict. Exactly. Okay. Right. It, um, it's definitely the dyed blonde that's in there that makes him look super douchey. He, and possibly oh, meth his addict. hair, his his whole outfit was very two thousand two. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He was a very two thousand two um, look. Was there uh, anyone else? Any of you um, wanted to I mean, the oh. inspector, Francois uh, Breland, he is a famous French actor, uh, and he works with Luke Besson a lot. But other than that, not he's not really, you know, popular like, in I, American movies. And maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the guy that played her dad, he looked kind of familiar. He does. Yes, he, he would, did. He plays the Chinese gangster in every movie. Like, okay. he was in uh, yeah. the dragon, he plays the Chinese gangster that gets killed at the beginning, and... He may even be one of the gangsters at the beginning of Temple uh, Temple of Doom. No, I might he is. Be wrong. You know oh, no, I'll bet you that is who he is. You're right, because when I clicked on his, uh, I, I'm just remembering this now. When I clicked on his IMDb profile, that was one of the things it said he was known for was uh, Temple of Doom. So. Yeah. Okay, well then, yeah. Which a hell of a lot happened to him since Temple of Doom, because his <laughs> face, his face looked all kind of deformed, didn't it? Yeah, like something was just off. But anyway, I, I think it might just be aging. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened to his face. It's called time. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe some of that Matthew was sharing with uh, Mashaldi. Okay, I have a couple. I have a few networks for you. So let's just buzz through them. Uh, let's start with Matt Schulze, Vince from the Fast and Furious movie. What do you think, LBJ? I don't know. Three million. Okay. Sphinx? Two million. He has worked very sporadically in the last several years. <laughs> I think I'd go under a million. I'd say less than a million. Uh, one million is what I could find. He, he. I usually go to the same website for all of this, and he was not on that website. So I, had to, <laughs> I had to go some other sources. So let's just put like an asterisk by it. Um, he, so, he, probably, he probably wrote it down whatever website say, you were at. He might have submitted that <laughs> like, one. Yeah, my last movie was the Johnny Knoxville epic Action Point. So, yeah, I mean, if I had to sell my house, it'd probably be worth a million dollars. So I'm gonna put a million. 
I, I messaged him on Facebook and he told me. Um, <laughs> I'm not okay. in the Fast and Furious movies anymore, but I do get to bring Vin Diesel's white jeans to the set for him. <laughs> I'm going to try and tag him when we do the Instagram post and see if he likes it back. Oh, I feel yeah. like he's an actor that would totally like our... our, our oh, you our know what? Page. The better question yeah. is, is he an actor that actually gets the check mark? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> And I pray to God uh, he doesn't actually listen to the episode. We love him. <laughs> now that we've insulted him for the yeah. last time. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like He's great in Fast and Furious. You know? Oh, Vince is an iconic film character. Absolutely. Uh, okay. All right. Uh, Dave, what do you think for Shu-Kyu? Shu-Kui? Kui-Shu? Um, I mean, I-, I would assume she was probably in, like, because she's Taiwanese, so she's probably in, like, some, like, Hong Kong films, stuff like that. So... I, it's hard. It's so hard to say, but I'd give her say two million. Okay. What do you think, uh, Sphinx? Um, you know what? I'll go a little bit higher. Maybe she's done a lot of other films that I just don't know about. I'll say four million. I mean, I, I wasn't sure who she was, so I looked her up. So I know like her body of work. Um, but I didn't see an actual net worth. But I, I'm gonna say, and I don't know how this translates to the Taiwanese money. But I'm going to say like twenty five million. Yeah, close. Uh, actually, twenty million dollars. Okay. So wow. she at one time was the highest paid actress in Taiwan. Huh. that's crazy. That's cool. Good so, for her. Yeah, I, I was surprised too. And then finally, uh, Jason Statham himself. What do you think for uh, Jason Statham, Sphinx? I'll say, uh, I'll say fifty million. Dave, I feel like I should have remembered this from the one, but. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say 150 million, and that's the great thing about networks. We cover some of the same people like tons <laughs> of times, and no one ever remembers. Uh, what do you think, LBJ? Sixty. Uh, Ninety million dollars for uh, Jason Statham. So pretty good, pretty good. Um, yeah, that's all I got. I didn't look up the French actor. I didn't know or the guy from Total that's fine. <laughs> um, director though. Uh, you want to get into the director? Yeah, this is interesting because it actually has two directors, and you can tell yeah. who did what, which is the crazy <laughs> part. Uh, so we have uh, Louis Leterrier, uh, who is a famous actor. I mean, he did Clash of the Titans, The Incredible Hulk. He did uh, Now You See Me. Uh, he did the, the Dark Crystal series on um, uh, Netflix. Um, he's done a ton of stuff. And then you've got Corey Ewan, who is uh, like a Hong Kong action director. And he's a famous Hong Kong action director. And you can tell in the movie, the action scenes are very Hong Kong action scenes. Like they're not normal Luke Besson action. Like if you ever watch The Fifth Element um, or any of his other films, uh, he has a particular style of, of how he does action, how Luke Besson does action. These don't look anything like that. These look very much like classic Hong Kong John Woo style fight scenes. Not even John Woo style, well, style fight scenes. Like, well, you know, and you say that, and what's and what's funny to me is like I, I maybe didn't pick on this, pick up on this before, but like watching it, the closest thing I could pair these fight things to was like Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah. Like that's kind of yeah. like fight scenes, like they felt to me, like a Jackie Chan style. Yeah. Like I'm going to use all this stuff in the room and like. That that's like I didn't make the connection until you were just explaining it now, but that's the vibe I definitely got from it. Yeah, and then and essentially, you know, Louis Leterrier did everything else. So anything that wasn't action, he did, and then anything that was action, 
was very Hong Kong actually. It's interesting too. I don't know if you got if any of you caught it, but it, there was some controversy for who got credit as director. So depending on where the movie uh, premiered or was listed, it was either Corey or it was Louis. So apparently in the United States, uh, Louis Letterers, I say his Leterier. name, Leterier, he was more famous in the states, so he yep. got kind of the credit here. But then it sounded like most of the world it actually went to to Corey Luen. So yep. I just thought that was kind of interesting. But apparently he also was titled as a action director for Lethal Weapon 4 and the first X-Men movie, mm-hmm. which I oh. know Hovercraft Joe and uh, LPJ did. So it's true. I guess I don't remember that. Yeah, though. if I remember uh, correctly, he does a lot of uh, he did a lot of the um, Jet Li movies. He did all the Jet Li movies uh, from what I saw. The first six, at least, that that when he got brought over into the States. Yeah. So. And, and one thing we all know about Louis Le Carrier is that him and Edward Norton don't get along. <laughs> <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> um, I also read too about uh, Shuki or Shukui that, uh, did you catch it? She spoke no English. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And they, she literally could not communicate with Jason Statham during the entire filming of this movie. Yeah, that she just knew her line. So, like, it, they couldn't yeah. communicate at all, like, in between takes or anything. She just knew how to say her lines. You know, but so. you know, to her credit, she did a good job. Like, I don't think her acting yeah. was bad. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, it wasn't like she was supposed to be someone that, like, knew perfect English or anything like that. I was going to so. say, it, it passed, but I wouldn't say it was, like, a great job. But it, 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 got, <laughs> it got things moving, in all honesty. And that's just kind of the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, the acting is definitely not something to write home about in this film, but that's also not what it's going for. So, well, yeah, that's not really the point of the movie. So <laughs> right, I right, think, no, uh, not at all. I, I uh, meant considering she didn't speak any English and she only knew her <laughs> lines. Yeah. Which didn't uh, we just see that with uh, Highlander with what's his name? He was learning <laughs> English. Yeah, he was yeah, learning English yeah, when they, he did they, Highlander. They cast him, and then they're like, "Oh, he doesn't he doesn't speak English." <laughs> uh oh. Dave, how how upset were you that you didn't get to be on the Highlander episode? I mean, especially when I found out afterwards that you could have like called me in clutch to come on at the last minute, <laughs> and I could yeah. have just done it by memory without seeing the movie anytime recently because I watched that movie a lot as a kid. We probably should. I, thought, I don't know why we did. Yeah, I thought about that afterwards, and we messed up because we could have called Dave and he could jump in. Oh, but this is just a side note before we get back to the transporter. He's on board for your guys' spinoff where you cover episode by episode the Highlander TV series. So. <laughs> nice. I'll be like, we're doing the one with Rowdy Piper today. <laughs> this is one of the four with Roger Daltrey. I know. like it. <laughs> um, coming full circle with the Who. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. So, I do have a uh, question for. I'm sorry, Hovercraft Joe. I don't oh, mean to ahead. interrupt, but yeah. I am. <laughs> I, I just I I think this is probably going to be geared more towards Dave and LPJ, but I am curious. So in the early 2000s there seems to be this growing movement of French action films yeah. because yeah. there's Taken yep. and there was quite a few other titles I was looking at that, that I noticed were French as well. Do we know, do you guys have any idea why that is? Why it is that the French are so tied to, to action films during this period of time? It really all starts with Luc Besson. Yeah. And there were, uh, there were several like fairly influential French action movies. Like people always thought of the French, like, Oh, like, you know, You've got your Jean-Luc Godard and all that stuff. Like they kind of came out of nowhere in the later 90s, early 2000s with a bunch of like 
awesome action movies. Like it's it's called like District like B thirteen or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like I, I I I'm probably getting that wrong, but I've seen it. It's awesome. It's basically they've remade it as Brick Mansions with Paul Walker, and that was not good. And <laughs> they made a Brotherhood of the Wolf, you know, with uh, Vincent Cassell. And it's like, and there were all these like French action movies that came out of nowhere. And like, wow, the French actually know how to make action movies. <laughs> and, but they also had kind of that pedigree style of like, you know, it's like, but they actually are well-made movies too. Like yeah. not just like, oh, well, this is like a dumb action movie. Like, you know, it's like, so they kind of, and, but it really, the, but the biggest one out of all of them was Luc Besson. And then yeah, when and you have to think about it too. Luc Besson in, in France is kind of like, not a Spielberg, but he's kind of like a, um, you know, like a like a like a uh, like a John Woo, like a John Woo, or like Kong? a like a black, like a Shane Black, almost here. Yeah, and okay. people and and that whole group of people, all those directors, kind of could they they were all they all worked together on things, and so people like Louis Leterrier was from the Luke Besson camp. You know, you have all the other guys that that released all those movies. They were either financed by Luke Besson or he had some kind of hand in them. So it kind of all starts with him, and that's actually where. The born identity. The born identity. That's where that gets its whole. It's a whole aesthetic. Is from the Luke Besson kind of camp of movies. Gotcha. Yeah, he has hand in those as well as a series of teenage models and actresses. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh boy. <laughs> um, I forgot that he's he's connected to Taken, right? He wrote Taken. Yeah. 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 I, I forgot about that. Um, Okay, so and that that kind of goes into uh, Luke, Luke Besson. He wrote this movie with uh, Robert Mark Kamen. Um, is that guy anyone? Wow. Sounds super familiar. Well, Mark. <laughs> I mean, Mark Kamen or Mike. Uh, the, the other Kamen. Michael Kamen's a musician. Michael Kamen's a musician, yeah. right? Well, uh, he created. Really he's the co-creator of the Karate Kid. Oh, okay. Oh. Right. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so but uh, composer. Uh, Sphinx, you wanted to talk a little bit about uh, about your boy? Just, just briefly. Uh, we did mention him in the past. Uh, it was uh, Stanley Clark, who's a very famous uh, jazz bassist musician that because and, and we saw him in Passenger 57 is when we first mentioned him on the show. And after kind of seeing his name pop up again, I kind of looked up how many soundtracks he's done. He has done a ton. He's done, <laughs> it was like 40 or 50 soundtracks he's done. Oh, so wow. I'm thinking he's probably making a shit ton of money right now. Obviously, the jazz music might not be panning out as well, but he's probably <laughs> making bank on these movie soundtracks. Sure. I will say, though, and I mentioned it off, off uh, us recording, though, this is a pretty forgettable soundtrack of his. I feel like oh. in the beginning of the film... You can definitely hear that bass grooving, especially during kind of like the car chase and all that. But then after that, it totally disappears. And then they start throwing in some weird like French rock music <laughs> taking over the soundtrack at that point. But yeah, always oh, bet on black. <laughs> yep. Kick that dick. <laughs> and the thing is, I always do because of that movie. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like I'm black. Wait, you always bet on black, and you always kick people in the dick. Well, yeah, that's true. Both, both. <laughs> because yeah, if, it, if it hits red, then you kick the the you know, the whatever the the dealer in the dick, and you run away. <laughs> uh, yeah, that works. Uh, does, does anyone have anything else they want to touch on before we get into the plot for this? No, I'm good. 
Nope. Everyone good? Okay. So here we go. Transporter. Uh, movie opens up. You got Statham sitting in a car in a parking garage. He puts on some classical music, and then he takes off. He's driving. He goes and picks up these guys. They're robbing a bank. Uh, he gets in. I like how he has like the buttons to switch the license plate on the car to yeah. like different mm-hmm. rotation. Bond style. Yeah, and that's like when they get in, and you like because he has like these rules like he, for his for his. Uh, operation is transporting job if you will and that's where the first rule is that you never change the deal because he's upset because there's more guys in the car than they told him what's going to be and he's he goes on about how like well i got this much fuel and now there's more weight and we won't be able to get so so the one bag i just oh go ahead yeah no i just it's a great introduction honestly to the movie because he's so cool calm and collected about like like he's pissed like he's angry yeah and like the, the guy's just robbed a fucking bank and he's like i'm not moving <laughs> like this is not the deal one of you fuckers has to go and then as i think you're about to say yeah, they just cap one guy in the back and toss his ass out and then he's like all right yeah. we can proceed and then he just goes fucking awesome and is driving but did anyone else notice how shitty the the bank robbers' masks were? Yeah, just like that holds themselves in them. <laughs> Can't they buy real masks? Um, he has an ignition code on his car. Is that a real thing? Like, is that something that can yeah. exist? Or that put a, yeah, you can put a dead man switch in there. Okay, I wasn't sure. Um, okay, so then, like you said, there's that that police the, uh, the chase the police. I they said that Statham did all his own driving for this movie. Yeah, I did not know that. that. That's crazy because, like, this is a pretty intense chase sequence. Like, it's not like. But 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 do you think he really like shot the car over the bridge to land into the car hauler? I feel like that had to have been. Well, there probably was not. There probably wasn't a driver in there. It was probably rigged. Yeah. All right. That's probably my guess. Is any shot where you see somebody physically in the car driving? It's probably it's probably him. All right. Fair enough. Which that's a cool scene when he does that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's totally implausible, but you know the fact that you know there's there's all you know there's a gap of two cars up on the top of this car hauler, and he just somehow times it right. The car lands perfectly right on it. I mean, it's awesome yeah. to see. Yeah, it looks but, awesome, but yeah, you're right. Uh, my only problem with the whole sequence is I thought that those passengers were just a little bit uh, over the top, and <laughs> they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> they throw up and stuff. But uh, it's a cool sequence, and then like I think even they get him to the one point, and like they want him to take him further, and he's like, no, I'm not going to do it because they, they even offer him more money. But he's so like focused on his rules and the way he does things. He's like, no, sorry. I, this, you said to take you here. And that's what I did. So, um, I love it. Then, so when he stops driving at one point and turns around to shoot the one car to fall from the car hauler and then it hits all the cop cars. That's yeah. a cool spot too. Yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> it, it's a great uh, start to the film. I mean, yeah, I, I it, it, it I is a great, it, it is a great introduction and that's, I mean, we'll cover it a little more, but I, I think we touched on it a little bit. What I like about this movie is that, I mean, it's basically like, all action sequences like there's a few like pauses in between but it's not like you have to wait a long time to get to the next action sequence in it you know like i think potentially this part from the opening one to the next one is the longest break maybe in the movie between action sequences probably yeah which which makes sense because you got to give a little bit more setup about exactly who he is and why he's doing this well and that's one of the things i liked about this is they don't come right out and tell you exactly who he is. Like you yeah. see at first you think, okay, he's a driver. 
And then as part of that chase scene, he takes the gun, pops his head out the window, and shoots the, the trigger mechanism to knock the cars down. So obviously, he's a good shot with a gun. You know, and then it goes yeah. on from there where it, it, at one point he gets uh, attacked and he defends himself and kicks the guy's asses. Um, so you see little snippets here and there and then you eventually find out who he actually is. Well, and then there's the mystery, too, of is he a good guy or a bad guy? Right. And right. and honestly, I think who he is changes, you know, from what happens in the movie that I think in, in the beginning, he's very much like I'm a businessman. Obviously, like I'm willing to engage in these illegal activities for people as long as I get paid. But then obviously the situation that happens in the film, he realizes, all right, I got to be more of like a good guy. And I guess I'm curious, and maybe I'll ask Dave, who's seen the other Transporter movies, does he kind of act more like that in the other films? That he's oh, he yeah. has more yeah. of that good guy personality. In the second one, he's definitely a hundred percent a good guy. Yep. In the third one, they kind of try to bring it back to its roots, but not as much. You know, I mean, he's still full on good guy by the end. But like in the second one, he's complete good guy the whole time. In fact, he's not even someone who transports like stuff anymore. He's a kid chauffeur. You know, so oh, okay. yeah, yeah he, 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 it's essentially the, kid, so, the second movie is essentially Taken. Yeah, okay, it came out before Taken. It did, yeah, but that's okay. the second. The second movie is essentially Taken, and it has Matthew Modine in it. It does. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyways, kind of the next sequence, we get a little more into Statham. I really like Statham's house. He's got that really nice house, like right on the water. Uh, you know, like he's out there kind of like washing his car and all that stuff. Um, I like the little thing when they find out that those guys that he dropped off, like immediately got caught yeah. <laughs> after he dropped him off. Like he sees him get arrested. Um, then the, the detective shows up and he kind of is asking him questions and like, um, you get the impression that the detective knows that he's kind of like up to something, but he can't really prove it. So I kind of like the, um, the interplay between the two because it's kind of like I don't know I just thought it was kind of fun the way it was like he kind of knew that he knew he was up to something but he yeah. couldn't prove it so. and that, absolutely and that actually plays they play that throughout the entire series and at one point the inspector is essentially like his his accomplice and like becomes okay. kind of his you know gets him out of trouble keeps him out of jail throws brushes things under the rug for him and kind of keeps him clean so he can go about doing whatever vigilante work he's going out and doing. Gotcha. Yeah, by the second one, they're going on, like, a fishing trip together. Like, yeah. <laughs> in the second one, he's in, a, he's in Miami, so they have to explain, well, why the heck is this French detective here? So like, oh, uh, hey, I came you- for a fishing trip. When you said that, uh, LBJ, I was like, I was like, he's in the other movies. I'm sure that the second one took place in the U.S. Yeah, no, yeah. it did. He follows him throughout all the movies. <laughs> yeah, the third one. He, he was Europe. offered a fishing trip in this movie. He just turned it down. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Um, so anyway, so uh, Statham, we we I think uh, I can't remember the detective mentions it, but we we find out a little bit that he we basically found out he's ex-military. Um, not really anything more about it, but that he is, um, he takes another job. That's when we find out, uh, another one of his rules, which is, uh, no names. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's rule number two. Um, he agrees to transport like something from just a package from one place to another. He just gets the address. Um, while he's driving there, he gets a flat tire. Uh, and that's when he finds out when he goes to get the spare that the, what he's transporting is a person in a bag. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. <laughs> um, and that's so he opens the bag and that's when he that's when um, I can't think what her character name is I'm drawing a blank anybody uh, Lee help me out 
It was a uh, uh, lie. 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 Exactly. I know it's lie. lie because it's lie because there's a scene where he says she likes to lie. Like yeah, stupid name. Matt Schultz keeps making puns about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I just called him stupid again. Sorry, Matt Schultz. <laughs> and and this is also this is his third rule too. It's it's never to yeah. look at the package, and he does. Never look at the package. Yeah, he does because he like he lets her out. So she because she says she's got to pee. He ties like a big rope to her and kind of like lets her go. Which there's um, way too much rope that he gave her. That was a poor mistake <laughs> on his part. Oh yeah, she only needed like ten feet. It looked like she he gave him like gave her like fifty feet, a hundred feet. Yeah, hey, I will. I will take part in human trafficking, but watching someone <laughs> pee so they don't get away is where I draw the line. <laughs> yeah, because he because he does like after he uh, uh, recaptures her, he ends up putting her in the bag again. Although he gets back to his car and there's some cops there, right? And he just yeah. he like beats up the cops and puts them in the trunk too. But I love how he chucks the girl at the cop. <laughs> like, oh, that's right. He, I forgot. Yep. he legit like. Tosses her ass at the one cop. I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah, this is when he's still like, that. I don't give a fuck who this chick is. Can I go back real quick, though? Yeah. This is not really that important of a detail, but I am curious. I've been to Europe a few times, but I've never seen this. Did you notice how at the vending machine, there was a little area for straws? Yes. I noticed that, that too. Bizarre. What is that? I've never <laughs> seen that. I so you that. just... You just pick up a random straw that's in a vending machine that's not even like in a wrapper, and you you drink your your can of Fanta from it. Like bizarre. I'll have to ask it my brother-in-law. Especially about horrific it. now in the age of COVID. I was gonna but, say, yeah. Well, if you notice the drink that they, I had a note about this that I asked Joe about and had a really good time because they're drinking something called like Orangina or yeah, Orangina. Orangina. Yeah, no, Orangina. It's, it's, Orangina. Like a, it's basically very orange, popular. Orange, orange pop with like real oranges in it. And so I wrote down what I think was my favorite note ever, and, I, and I'm like, Orangina, is that a soft drink, or is it ginger vagina? Oh, <laughs> and I had to say vagina when I asked Joe about this note, because there was a couple words for it that he objected to. Yeah, he originally he originally pitched me the joke, and I told him he needed to use a different word. It was a little too vulgar. I didn't like it. So, uh, <laughs> But you know what? You got it out, so... I did. I was so glad you brought the vending machine back up. Well, it was just bizarre. Like, he pulls a straw from this whole group of straws in the vending machine that's in the middle of the French countryside. I'm just like, what the hell? Like, what is this? <laughs> I mean, because I have been to France, and I don't remember that. So. <laughs> Me too. I'm like, I don't remember seeing this. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so anyway, so he, he delivers uh, the girl the package to uh, Vince... <laughs> Matt Schultz, Schultzy, um, and he's like, hey, if we pay you, will you transport something else for us? I have this briefcase. And he's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Um, so he stops to get food, and like, when he, he it, it's almost because he goes back, because he's like, oh, I'm going to get a drink from the vending machine. So he goes back to do that, and then the car blows up, which I totally forgot until they bring it up in a little bit, that those cops were still in the trunk. Yeah. The car <laughs> Oops. Yes, they did. <laughs> um, but you also notice that in our introduction to you know Matt Schultz, you know Vince, whatever, like the first shot you see him, he's pulling some girl's hair at the pool, like just to be a dick, you know? Yeah, he's he's totally early two thousands douchebag bad guy villain. Yeah, big time. Well, I, I do have a note here that says uh, he basically owes his life to Pepsi, I guess, because it's a Pepsi machine, the vending machine that he goes back to get out of out of the out of there. So um, yeah. So anyways, so he's, it was so Orangina. 
<laughs> so he's pissed. Uh, he goes back to uh, Matt Schultz's house. This is where you get the great uh, thing where he kicks the door open. Yep. Um, and then you get the first fight scene, and this fight scene is awesome. It's yeah. awesome. Um, he's like using like he's. It's one of those ones where it's just like one guy beating up so many people. Yep. But it's so great. There's like he's like there's like a- the people are trying to hit him with yeah, axes. Yeah, I love how they just like. Yeah, we've just got guys with axes hanging out. Exactly. Somebody's always got an axe. You know, it's like uh, probably one because, like, okay, there was firewood being chopped, but like everybody's got an axe, you know. <laughs> and at, and at <laughs> one point, like the axe is being swung at him, and he stops the handle in midair, and yeah. then he does a fucking double roundhouse kick and knocks them both out. <laughs> Oh yeah, which is yeah. that? Is that also a French thing? Is is uh, is JCVD here that can tell us about how popular roundhouse kicks oh, are? Oh my friend, or... uh, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, roundhouse kicks—they uh, are a staple in my household. We grew up uh, roundhouse kicking each other at Christmas because uh, that's what we do. Uh, sometimes uh, we roundhouse kick uh, the neighbors or uh, the mailman. <laughs> Uh, so because, is, is uh, there a can. special holiday in France, kind of like Festivus, where people just go around and, and practice roundhouse kicking <laughs> yeah, each other? Yes, okay. yes. It's called uh, <laughs> Thanks Roundhouse Miss. Uh, we, uh, <laughs> oh, wow. Thanks uh, Roundhouse kick, It's called Kick Miss. Uh, we do roundhouse <laughs> kicks and it. we sing a song. It goes, uh, it goes it's a small roundhouse kick around the world. It's very, very not popular, but we sing it uh, anyway. And uh, I, I would have thought it, it would have been in the melody of like Farrah Jaka or something, but that's okay. Roundhouse kick you, roundhouse kick you <laughs> in the face, in the face. Gonna knock your teeth out, gonna knock your teeth out. You will bleed, you will bleed. It, it, it's, a, it's a round. We all sing yeah. it together in the school. There's a, we had a concert. It was amazing. It was a it was a good time for all. Uh, okay, well, Jean Claude, Jean Claude, it's good to see you as always. <laughs> but, um, we appreciate this, but we got to get back to the the transporter. But thank you as always. Yo, yo, right. and, and Did someone UDB. point out the fact that Jean Claude Van Damme is Belgian and not French? <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. We we are all uh, we are all one people. We are all well, we are we are all we are all members of the human race, my friend. And because there are Dutch Belgian names and French Belgian names, and he definitely has a Dutch Belgian name. <laughs> but um, but there is actually a tradition. See, I thought you were going to ask about the the axes. There's a tradition of hatchet gangs in both Chinese movies and in actual like China. So that's where the axes come from. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, no, I just teeing wait, up. Uh, wait, wait, yeah. yeah, no, way to catch that cue, Dave. That was that was exactly. Well, right. I would try to do explain the tradition to you too, but I can't use a voice; it'd be offensive. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably for the best. <laughs> Where were so we? Anyway, <laughs> well, he he beats up all the guys in the house. Uh, he steals a car and he leaves. And then, like, he stops, and, and the, the the girl, uh, she's in the back of the car. But, like, what I found odd was that she's still strapped to the chair. How did she get in that? Exactly, right? If she's still strapped to the damn chair, how did she open up the door to get in the car? Yeah, I, I don't I don't buy that at all. But I think she freed certain amounts of her, but she's clearly not a fan of removing duct tape. Like, you know, when it came off of the, her mouth and everything. So she's like, you know what? I'll just hide in this car in the chair, you know? <laughs> um, so he takes her back to the house. 
Um, uh, he he's kind of he makes her some noodles, you know. Uh, he goes to bed and she explores the house. That's when he she finds his box of like all the his old like military stuff and kind of like it doesn't he, he never really explains it, but you kind of just get. I think there's like some medals and stuff in there too. Like you kind of get the idea that he's like a decorated like war hero, probably. I think. Was yeah. it was it the Victoria Cross? It might have been. I can't remember, but it was like, a, yeah, I think it was like a Medal of Merit. Okay, I'm telling you, there's a couple people on this episode that might know what the medal is, and I am not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that for sure. If you don't know, Dave, I feel like we're in trouble. Um, okay, so uh, oh, then uh, 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 Vince goes to the hospital. He ends up killing one of his own guys because. Vince wasn't at the house, I guess, when uh, Jason Satham beat up all the guys. I guess. So he kills the guy. Yeah, I thought the guy next to him was also in on it, but apparently he was just uh, also dying just, bystander. <laughs> who just who just sharing a room with him? Yeah, just um, sharing a room. So uh, she um, she makes some breakfast in the morning. The uh, the French detective shows back up, talks about how they. This is where, like, he talks about how they found his car and it was blown up. And this is where he drops the thing that the cops were still in the trunk. And I was like, you know, it's like they casually mentioned the murder of two police officers in this movie. And they're just like, oh, yeah, we found there were two cops in the trunk. Like, oh, he probably should have got rid of them. Um, And he keeps asking, you know, if he's going to stick to this story because he says that his car was stolen. And he's yes. like, no, that's that's what I that's what happened. It was stolen. And obviously the inspector is is not quite buying it, but. But he yeah, can't prove anything, yeah. so he's just like, all right, whatever. Exactly. So, so he leaves, and then the bad guys attack his house. They like so, start firing rockets hold into on. it. I, you, you, his house is an understatement. And not only that, like, <laughs> clearly very little time passed when the inspector leaves and when they show up. How does the inspector <laughs> not hear a, a house exploding? That exact note. Because it was literally two minutes. He would have been like in his car and down the driveway, and then you hear like boom, boom, boom. How does he not see in the rear view mirror freaking mini atom bomb going off when the heat seeking missiles are being <laughs> shot into this home several times? Like, I live about like over a mile from a police shooting range, and I still occasionally hear the shots, you know? <laughs> and there's also cars and everything, like, you know, a suburban area. So the fact that he would have been so close and didn't hear anything, you know? It's bizarre. Or that nobody heard anything or called the cops because they were there for conservatively 20 minutes shooting this house up with (laughs) rocket launchers, several rocket launchers, several rockets exploding. Which, I mean, is are we to believe it's like a heat-seeking missile that was going by? Because that well, thing had some hell of a precision they're called, as it's going through the different bedrooms and then goes into the kitchen to blow well, up. I, I don't know if <laughs> the, 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 the missile they were shooting didn't look like this, but it acted like a Stinger missile. And a Stinger missile is remote-controlled. It has a camera on the front of it, and you can actually see it in the viewfinder and guide it okay. where you want to go. I, so but the missile they were shooting, possible. it's possible. Yeah. But the, what yeah. the actual rocket launcher they were shooting did not look like a Stinger rocket launcher. Fair enough. Was he did living you, in a decommissioned lighthouse? Because that's the what first it looked like. Thing he would blow up the tower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and also, it's like, are you thinking he might be in the tower, and that's why you shot that first? You know? Well, and I guess that makes sense because that gives him his exit, you know, into the yeah. water. Because yeah. otherwise, why would you have a house that has an exit down into the ocean? But, you know. Well, and then also, I feel like when they, 
when they escaped in the old timey elevator, I'm like, did Batman begin steal that escape? From this movie? <laughs> you have a good point. Did you see that they they said it was a shot that they filmed and it was in the trailer during the sequence? Yeah, where he deflected one of the missiles with a tea tray. <laughs> But that Statham specifically asked them to like, hey, could you take that out? Because it just it seems completely unbelievable that I would block a missile with a D tray. So they which, took it out. Which it's a good move because that totally would have been out of place yeah. with what was yeah. going on. Like it was pretty yeah. serious what was happening. It would have been like Timothy Dalton escaping through the magic carpet in Living Daylight. So yes. we talked about that's yes. what that scene would have been. Which, by the way, uh, Dave, I know you're a Bond fan. If you've never watched that deleted scene online where he rides the magic carpet, do yourself a favor and watch it. It's uh, so I'll bad. immediately after this. <laughs> so bad. Um, so anyways, like you said, they escape through the water. They show up at some other house that's not theirs. Uh, they have they, they have a bone zone moment, which, Dave, do you want to explain a little bit about like why they put that bone zone scene in? Okay, well, first of all, I was saying it's a very, like, moist scene because they're all wet, you know? Yeah. Okay, so wow. basically in some of the early drafts of the script, the character is supposed to be gay, you know? But then, and I think probably at that time, probably correctly so, they thought well, audiences probably wouldn't be ready for that. So they made, so they're like, so they got rid of it, but like, just in case there's any residual <laughs> gayness, we're going to have him and this lady get go down, you know, go down to Bone Zone, you know? Ironically enough, they kind of sort of bring that those themes back in Transport 2, but then Transport 3, they're like, nope, straight as an arrow again. Bone's another chick, you know? It, it goes very James Bond at that scene, right? Like, yeah. not yeah. really a relationship with this chick, but here we are, we're going to have sex. Yeah. And, and to his yeah. credit, he resists at first. It's true. <laughs> a little bit. Um, so they end up they get, they get questioned by his buddy, the detective, again. Um, I don't even remember what this questioning is. I think it's like, oh, why did your house blow up? And they try to tell him it was like the stove or something. And he's like, well, what about all the shell casings? That we <laughs> um, so he leaves the room, and that's when she jumps on the computer, and they figure out, uh, they find Vince from the uh, Fast and Furious. Yeah, I love how she knows guy. instantly how to work their computer system. Yeah, And then he has the creepiest mugshot ever. <laughs> like you know, I, I don't even know if it's an actual mugshot. He's like, meh, you know, looking creepy, you know. Um, so they, I think it's like she, he doesn't want to help her anymore. But then she's like, oh, well, my family's like being like trafficked. They're in the shipping yeah. container to arrive. Yeah, he, he wants to escape. He wants to run away and not deal with these people anymore. And yeah, he advises her to do the same. Which, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, she says, no, there's a lot more going on here. Right, so they go. If they go to uh, Wall Street, Vince, whatever we're going to call him, they go to his place, and they kind of call him Vince. <laughs> we've been calling Vince. Vince the entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> Wrong movie, but it's all good. I mean, you know, do it for the family. I guess <laughs> this um, is a really weird scene. Did anyone else really like? It just seemed very odd this whole office oh, scene yeah when they're office yeah there's a lot of exposition and like yeah. when he, he explains to him that there are people in that truck like ha 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 you know it's like why would you tell him that you know <laughs> uh, and then, and then, it's then just, tell the police you know yeah, and, and the interactions are really weird and they're like exchanging guns back and forth and then just when you think things couldn't get any weirder like dad shows up and then you're like well what the fuck now dad's here <laughs> and then he's got like these two thugs and it's it's like what is what is going on is kind of what i felt right? wrong with his face 
Yeah, it just seemed like, yeah, there's something wrong with his face. It just seemed like they tried to throw, like, the whole plot of the movie into this two-minute scene in this office. And it was just bizarre. And then he just simply got knocked out. And that, that was kind of it. And then, and, oh, and then the cops came, right? Because yeah. she left uh, she left the guy's face on the computer to, to kind of, I don't know if she did it on purpose. I'm assuming she did. But maybe not. I don't know. But to, to tail them. And it was just, it was all, it, the whole scene was like, this is weird. I don't know. It yeah, I mean, I think, they did, I think they did have to kind of, I mean, obviously, as we said, this movie's not, the point of this movie isn't its plot and it's not action <laughs> no. scenes, but I think they had to set up for the ending. So what we get out of the scene is that her, there are people in the container being trafficked. It's not her dad that's actually like involved in it, like right. part of the. Yeah, like human, human trafficking, trafficking, I guess, yeah. Right. So the cops is just out being there all the time, which is a terrible mobster. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be here for every step of the way. I don't want to have any sort of deniability. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, so like you said, yeah, he does get knocked out and the cops do haul him away. Uh, he ends up um, convincing the uh, detective to, to like, he kind of tells him the truth, and the detective's like, all right, well, I, I think you can solve this because we won't be able to do it in time. So he lets him, like, take him hostage so he can get out of the police station, uh, w- which I like. Um, and then we, we got to classic French surrendering. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He has an angry look. I better surrender. <laughs> <laughs> I think he might be part German. <laughs> take Paris. We don't want it. <laughs> we surrender. Joe, you're doing your uh, French accent so far in this episode. Oh, <laughs> I'm, doing a, I'm doing a French accent. That's good. You sound like the chef from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, so anyway, so once he gets to the docks, this kind of basically starts an extended action sequence, which lasts like the last, I don't know, 20 minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it's he, funny though because the inspector gives him back the gun. He's like, "Here, you, you'll need this." And then he like shows him like all these semi-automatic weapons. He's like, eh, "Maybe not." <laughs> yeah, which he doesn't um, really use. Yeah, he really, really does not use. Because <laughs> he fights a bunch of guys at the dock. Um, he fights guys in the bus terminal. It's during the bus terminal fight that he loses his shirt. And I gotta say, Salem is jacked in this movie. Oh he yeah, is, uh, he's jacked in every movie. <laughs> yeah, but I, this one. <laughs> the the fight scene at the ship containers is is again like just off the rails crazy because he's just fucking everybody up. <laughs> i mean yeah. there's like 10 or 12 of them and he's surrounded and he still just manages to roundhouse to kick his <laughs> way out of there like his legs i don't think they ever touch the ground they're just kind of <laughs> moving all around and it's amazing how powerful these legs fucking are. Yeah, Ch- Chuck Norris right. was jealous. Yeah. yeah, I'd say at this point, Statham's the best kicker in the business. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Because then I find it, like you were mentioning Hovercraft, Joe, I love it when he gets his shirt ripped off, and he fucking uses the shirt to tie it around the guy, who then he ties it around the other guy, yeah. and then somehow he just knocks them both out. Well, and that's like, that's one hundred percent. That's a straight up Jackie Chan move because he does that in yeah. Rumble in the Bronx. Yeah, it's a very it, cool it's, move. And so then like, there's the bus fight, right? And the bus there's like ten guys going after him, and he's just yeah. fucking taking them all out. Well, then finally, when the guys show up who want to like actually do some shooting, he discovers that the body of an enemy is an impen- impenetrable bullet shield. Doesn't work yeah. out for the shield itself. 
but like, <laughs> like layer in their back, just like completely invulnerable, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. which I wrote, yeah, I wrote down two points here. Number one, I'm like, this is getting so James Bond and the fact that a bullet can never hit him. But then at the same time, like you were mentioning in the beginning of the episode, Hovercraft Joe, this is where I started to really get that Jackie Chan Hong Kong style. Because if you notice too, and maybe it got a little too, maybe it got me a little bit irritated, is did you notice how there was always a slight pause before fighting actually happened? Which I think that kind of is that style maybe. Yeah. But there'd be like a really brief pause where they kind of like stare at each other and then they start going crazy. Yep. Well, and it yeah, happened so the, many times. And that's the classic thing where all the guys like get around them and they're all kind of like waiting to fight. Exactly. Yeah, they're all like, okay, when are we going to like, uh, So no. that's like, we already mentioned he lost his shirt. So like he's surrounded. So he like knocks over like the, the oil thing and he covers himself in oil. And they're like, what's going on? And why? I, I remember he did this. They couldn't remember why. But like he's so slippery, he's getting away. And then there's that awesome, and it's, it's a very Jackie Chan thing to me too, when he breaks the pedals off the bike. So he can walk in the oil and everyone else is slipping and he's just like kicking people in the face and stuff. Yep. It's, it's really cool. Like I was like, all I can remember is that he covered himself in oil and I was like, well, that's dumb. But then watching again, I was like, oh, it's actually kind of cool when he did it. I was, I was waiting for the bikini girls to show up and start rolling themselves in the oil at this point. It was so weird that like there's just all this oil everywhere and they're like fighting and wrestling each other. I mean, it's it makes for a cool scene. but and I, I forgot like, this what? was in this movie. I always thought this was in the second one. Because I hadn't seen this one in a while, and because um, because I was thinking, all right, well, the second movie they ramped things up, so we it, that's got to be where the pedal oil fight is. But no, it's in this one, <laughs> which which makes uh-huh. me wonder because I haven't seen the second one in a while either. Like, what did they do in the second one? Because they I know they crazy. amped it up. Uh, to me, it sounds weird that the scene where the, the actor hero becomes shirtless and oiled up was when I was on board completely. <laughs> but, <laughs> because it was like I had never seen anything like that in an action oh, yeah. movie before. Yeah, like, yeah. okay. That's awesome. Like, who thought this up? That's genius, yeah. you know? Did you guys, yeah. did anyone catch what actually, it's not oil, did anyone catch what it is? Uh, it's molasses, right? It's molasses yeah. syrup or yeah. something like that? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. And that's when he when he gets those bike, when the pedal's on it, he kicks so many dudes in the face, it's awesome. But that's when I have the note, too, after that, like like uh, Dave brought up where it says that, I said, man, that big dude, that big, dead, big, <laughs> that dead big guy ends up being super useful because <laughs> he does oh, black yeah. Um, Which he did you notice that he uses his dead body to breathe oxygen when he's in the water? Yeah, that's you you can't do that. No, that doesn't work. (laughs) He makes out with the guy, and and I guess you think that's gonna bring you oxygen. That's not that's not how things that's not how biology works, especially because the guy was so full of holes. (laughs) Nailed it. There you go. It was so. so he decides he's got to catch up to the to the convoy with the uh, with the shipping containers. He like gets a car, but then the car dies. So he conveniently sees like a crop dusting plane flying by. So he goes and hijacks the the um, the crop dusting plane. Uh, he parachutes onto the truck, uh, and then you get kind of the last sequence where he's like on the truck fighting. Um, at one point, uh, Vince throws him out the front of the truck. That very like Indiana Jones vibe where he's under the yeah. truck. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, I want to um, when he lets go of the parachute, the parachute covers the windshield of one of the cars in the back. And when the two cars 
uh, crash into each other, that explosion is like fucking gigantic. Like, why is it that the two cars exploded? Like, they would have like crashed into each other, and you know, it would have been bad. Well, they were, but that's apparently they, that's they were they stored, stored with fucking TNT. No, that's where they store all the rocket launchers. Yeah, that's true. Must be. That's where all the rocket launchers. Those were. two cars fucking lit up just like the house did. Well, like, there, a, what is what are these cars full of? There's that scene where, like, so they do the practical stunt, the door falls off, and the truck driver's on it. But then I put a note that says, but don't worry, the truck driver is dead. Because he's <laughs> off the too, you know? Like, oh. And also I put, when Vince comes to fight him, I'm like, Vince sucks at delegating. Like, you think he could be like, hey, henchman, go kill that guy. But he's like, nope, I'm going myself. Oh, yeah, because it's like, it's so um, Raiders of the Lost Ark, because he, Statham gets thrown out the front, and he makes his way under the truck, which, by the way, they said he actually was the one hanging from underneath the truck, which just goes to show you, like, which just goes to show you, like, either, like, just that's just how Statham is, or you can tell it was early in his career. And he's like, yeah, okay, whatever, because they said he did most of his own stunt work for this movie. So, um, but anyway, so he's, like, under the truck, and he makes it back up to the front, and then he ends up, like, I think, does he... Throw Vince out of the truck. Yeah, he just throws him out with of his legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't throw him out with his hands. He wraps his legs around him and throws his ass out yeah. of the truck. He gives it, he and gives he, him a hurricanrana out of the car, out yeah, of the truck. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Did you guys Wait, catch a hurricane rana? You guys doing wrestling references? <laughs> yes, it's yeah, Joe was going to object. He's like, that is called a Frankensteiner. I'm sorry. <laughs> you show respect to Scott Steiner. So this scene as well. So apparently this movie wanted to get a PG-13 rating. And so they had to alter this scene because apparently in the French cut, when he kicks the guy out of the truck, the truck runs over Wall Street. Yeah. Uh, But they were like, that's way too graphic. And so they had to change it for uh, the other global audiences to keep it PG-13. Yeah, because I was going to say, I thought that was kind of not like, I'm always a... In these action movies, I always feel like the main bad guy really deserves kind of like, I always want to see him get his comeuppance, but I didn't feel like he got it enough in this movie. So I think, you know, I felt like I was like, ah, oh, whatever. I want to see Jason Statham beat him up a little more. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like, I, like, I agree. Like, it was it was a little anticlimactic. I mean, it was cool how he did it, but then it was just kind of over. You know, it was done. Yeah. It's not like when he beats up James Franco at the end of Homeland, right? <laughs> <laughs> which, which we will do. We a hundred percent are going to do Homeland at one point because it's a Jason Statham action movie. Homefront, sorry, Homefront. But the, the main bad guy is James Franco, and it's yeah. insane. Me and Dave saw it. Basically, it's Jason Statham, and he has to go up against James Franco and Winona Ryder. <laughs> it's true. We'll okay, do it I'm in. Mean. <laughs> um, so anyways, the end of the movie is like his, they, they catch up and like uh, her dad has him at gunpoint and you think that uh, he's going to kill her, kill him. But then she shows up and shoots her dad and saves Statham uh, and they let the detective shows up and they let all the people out of the back of the uh, shipping container. And that's kind that's of the it. end of the movie. That's it. Yeah. So uh, we've reached the end of the transporter. Um, <laughs> Don't include credits. It's clocking in at less than 90 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like of that 90 minutes, I feel like that all but maybe like 20, 25 at most are action. Like, yeah, it's yeah. really jam-packed. It's, it's pretty wall-to-wall action. And I, and, and like it, I, it had been a, quite a while since I watched this movie. 
And I forgot how entertaining the action sequences in this yeah. movie are. Like, and I guess now it makes sense with that, like, kind of Hong Kong flair and stuff that they have in them. But they're just like, and there's something, too, about knowing, and it's kind of the same thing with Jackie Chan, but knowing that it's like, Satham's the one who's doing all this kicking and stuff like that, but it's actually him doing it. It's always that always makes me enjoy like the fight sequences a little more when I know. I mean, obviously they're not actually beating guys up, but that they can actually do these moves and are trained to be yeah. able to do this stuff. Yeah, and that's what's great about the Statham, Statham films is because after this, he trains more and gets even better at it. And so, like as his career progresses, he does more and more stuff and crazier and crazier things because he can physically do these things now. So Sphinx. You're in for some fun if you decide to go watch some later Statham movies because he does some great stuff. They're truly amazing. Like, especially when you compare, like, especially the last episode I was on, we talked about Steven Seagal movie. And Steven Seagal is such a fat load who, like, <laughs> move his arms a little bit and then, like, okay, okay call in my stuntman, you know? And, like, then you compare him to Statham, who doesn't have, like, the apparently extensive background in martial arts that Seagal does, but... Statham looks so much better doing it and more convincing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think we're ready to rate it, aren't we? Because did you have any role reversals? I'll no, be I couldn't no. find anything. I, this film was written for Jason Statham, so there's that. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't find anything else as far as that goes. Um, do you have any uh, taglines or anything? Uh, there was one tagline. Um, I wrote it down somewhere. <laughs> I'm trying to see if I have anything, but I think we covered everything that I had for this. Um, I might be able to find it if you don't have it there. <coughs> yeah, uh, I got it. Right. I got it right here. It's just, it's not very good. Rules are made to be broken. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, All right. Great. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, yeah, let's rate this thing. David, you get to go first, or uh, I expected. Oh, I'm sorry, did I interrupt? Well, you can go first. Oh, no, you're going to be more I, like, you know, I guess I need more instruction because you know I, I've done it a few times. But, <laughs> um, so I expected to kind of come in and give it like, oh yeah, you know, it was good. But like Joe said, I enjoyed the action sequences so much, and it didn't like the other movies that I've watched had kind of suffered in comparison, like the ones I had seen before. I gave him lower than maybe, but I'm going to say four machine guns. I liked it a lot. I mean, it's not perfect. Not a ton of character development, but, you know, yeah, four machine guns, I think I'm going to go with. Um, I'll go next. I, I, You know what? <clears throat> Excuse me. I kind of feel the exact same way as you because, like, I hadn't seen it in a while and I wasn't exactly sure I was going to land, but I really, really enjoyed watching this again. And like I said, I think it's because it's like, yeah, I mean, like the plot doesn't really make sense and it's kind of dumb, but it's like, that's not the point of it. And the fact that the action scenes are so good and so entertaining and so very different, like all of them, it's like, they're all different. You know, you get the very big driving focusing. That's the one thing from this movie. I thought I forgot that there was there's not that much driving in it. Like he drives at the beginning and that's about it. But like all the different acts, they're all different, you know, and it's, you kind of get this like uh, uh, sampling of all these different kind of action sequences and stuff. So I'm going to go for machine guns as well, because I really liked it. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I feel about Jason Statham the same way I feel about JCVD. Uh, I love Jason Statham. Um, he's great. This film is kind of a great introduction to him. 
And um, you're right. It's got that great Hong Kong flair while still being a a good traditional action film. And there's really, it's pretty lean. There's really not a lot of garbage in it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of unbelievable things in it, but there's not a lot of like, there's not a lot of BS in it. It's just straight up action. So yeah, four machine guns. Yeah, I, I'm really happy that I convinced you guys to want to, to see this. Convinced uh, us. Well, I was going to say, it really wasn't much convincing. You two were like, We yeah, were going to do, do it. it anyway at some point. Yeah. Uh, I I really enjoyed it too. I, I Everything you guys said, I t- totally agree with. Like, this movie is not set up to have a great character development or to have a great story, and it, it didn't need it. Like, this was a fun, shorter action movie that definitely fulfilled what an action movie should be all about and we're gonna go straight for machine guns for everybody here that's pretty good nice. you know what Unanimous. i like it. it does not happen very often and it doesn't happen that it, it very rarely happens that the three of us all agree and the guest agrees like yeah <laughs> last time Last time Dave was on, he was on our lowest rated movie of all time. I think yes. you gave Half Bad Dead zero machine guns. I did. That was the first one they ever do a zero. Yeah. It was bad. Oh. It was um, not good. Yeah. But this movie's fantastic. Yeah. Definitely. If you haven't seen it, check it out. I don't think it's streaming anywhere. I was lucky enough, Dave was able to, uh, from the Movies Anywhere app, he was able to basically let me borrow it from his collection. So it gave me access to it and I could watch it for like. 72 hours I had access to it to watch it. So well, no, it's it free. It's free. Cool. You, can, you can run it. I run it on Amazon. Well, yeah, we can run it free. I meant for well, free. Oh, yeah. No. But like, well, that's the thing, though, is that I'm pretty sure that, like, I originally bought it in, like, a set, I believe, on iTunes for, like, it's cheap if you want to buy it. Like, yeah. I'd say buy it, not rent it, because it's, like, it's worth I think it. you get, like, a three-pack for 15 bucks for, you know, like, mm-hmm. streaming, you know. Yeah, that's true. I'll look into it. I definitely would like to have it in my collection now. Yep. Now after after seeing it again for you know it's been a while, I'll probably go back and if I get this if I rent the second one, I'll just buy all three and be done with it. Yeah, third one's good. Third one has an exciting BMX scene <laughs> and a very exceptionally attractive uh, female lead who had never acted before. They saw her walking on the street, like lead in our movie. <laughs> well, well Dave, we need we'll to definitely... do we need to do the crank movies soon. Oh, they're so amazing, Sphinx! Oh my god. I can't, I can't, I can't wait because you are either going to love the crank movies or despise them. It's going to be one or the other with you. And I can't figure out what it's going to be because you're kind of hit or miss sometimes. But man, the crank movies are phenomenal. Well, we're going to watch one of them after this. (laughs) We'll definitely pencil you in, Dave, when we cover the uh, Transporter 2, without a doubt. Because I think we'll definitely get to cover it at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's definitely piqued my interest to check out the whole trilogy. So, yeah, for sure, and especially because like the first one, I haven't seen the second one. Like, I saw it in theaters, and I don't remember much of it at all. So, yep. Well, Dave, you got anything you want to plug? Um, I'm selling some stuff on eBay. So, if anyone wants to get some like pieces of Marvel Legends build a figures, you know, hit those up. T- TMNT <laughs> blimps, any of those? No, no, <laughs> those no. got ruined. You can't, oh. you can't resell that. <laughs> no, you can't. But, uh, but no, like, hey, like, you know, I really enjoyed it again. And, you know, this is a fun time as always. And um, I, I, I will plug the other uh, the other podcasts. Uh, you know, you guys do a great job on all those, too. So, you know. Have you ever yeah. listened to any of those? I've listened to one or two. 
if Joe's on it, then I'm like, ring, yeah, I'll give it a, a ringing endorsement. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, like when Joe's on, I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll give it, give it a try. All right. Yeah, well, I, 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 good things about the one that you just drive Sphinx insane on with your John Claude voice. So I'm going to check that out. Oh yeah, you should. <laughs> I think you, you would probably enjoy that part of it. It's noobs and dragons. is the one you drive insane with, correct, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I made him quit. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's not that far from the truth. Nope. <laughs> so yeah, so check what? us out on Noobs and Dragons on the Gamezilla Media Network. I was going to say, I mean, we are part of the Gamezilla Media Network. Uh, we've got five shows for you during the week. Uh, we come to you every Monday uh, on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Uh, on Tuesdays, the GameZilla Media Podcast, which does current video gaming news, uh, comes to you. And then they actually stream live on Monday nights on Twitch. Wednesdays is Noobs and Dragons that LPJ and I are a part of. And our Season 2 has resumed at this point. So uh, there's a couple catch-up episodes about what it was that happened before the whole COVID quarantine bullshit that's been going on. Um, so you can kind of catch up on what's been going on and then we're continuing and finishing up uh, the story there Thursdays. We've got the legend of retro, um, but what retro video games and then they're on hiatus, but uh, you can still check them out. Noiseland arcade is our Simpsons podcast that is available to you as well. And if you really enjoy what it is that we do and you'd like to support us at a little bit higher level, uh, check us out on patreon.com slash GameZilla Media. Uh, we have a $1 a month or a $5 a month tier. So the $1 a month is just kind of saying, hey, you guys are doing a great job. Here's a little something for you. But if you decide to do the $5 a month, we actually provide you with a bonus show, the post credit scene that we do every month here at Last Action Podcast. But then all those other podcasts I mentioned also have special episodes as well that we do so uh be sure to to check that out and, and help us out and as well give us a nice review on whatever podcast uh system you're on and give us a follow on social media and say hi we really appreciate it yep yeah. uh you're right we uh we got plenty of outlets for people to comment and offer suggestions and tell us how much they love us because we know we know you all do so <laughs> We'd like to it's hear true. it, though. We, we need to hear it. We have very low self-esteem. Um, yeah, and uh, LPJ especially appreciates it if you bring up uh, the movie Batman and Robin. No, uh, that's fine. On any social media, especially in mm-hmm. GIF form. No, that's that's totally cool. We can skip that movie altogether. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thanks, Dave, again for being on. It's always fun to have you on. You always are a wealth of knowledge, so it's great to have you on the show. Well, thank you very much, and uh, stay tuned for the podcast that Joe and I are creating where I explain every issue of The Incredible Hulk to him. (laughs) (laughs) I super look forward to that. (laughs) All right. Well, this episode of The Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back.